gentlemen welcome to a new season of the bulletin podcast this is your producer hussein almala and here's what's coming up so every time you have a photo or a picture of the same person the system will compare them and try to realize if they are the same only because uh, technology is built on mathematical grounds and therefore it's neutral uh, it can lead uh, humans to, to mistakes and to faults Hello everyone, my name is Carolina Trichet and I am a first year student of the Billy Brandt School. And my name is Caroline Von Stein, also a first year student at the Willy Brandt School. And we welcome you to the Bulletin Podcast. This is our third episode of the year and the second part of our mini-series of data privacy. In February, we talked to Dr. Bakari, a lecturer at the Willy Brandt School, about all things privacy in the era of social media. And this month, we are pivoting and talking about the use of facial recognition technologies, specifically used by law enforcement agencies, and the risks this brings to our data privacy. To help us unpack this topic, we have invited an alumna of the Billy Brand School and someone who shares our names, Carolina Rice. <laughs> Carolina is a Brazilian attorney specialized in digital rights and democracy. She holds a master in public policy from the Brand School and a bachelor of law from the Federal University of Bahia, Brazil. Before joining the Brand School, she worked with policy advising, democratic participation, and human rights. And her thesis focused on how Brazil is regulating data privacy now that law enforcement is increasing using facial recognition technologies. Lots of things surprised me in our conversation. So if you want to learn more about the link between Carnival and facial recognition technologies, how our human biases make the technologies more dangerous, and how to defend yourself from landing in a police facial database, then keep listening. Carolina, thank you so much for being with us here today. Um, your thesis focuses on facial recognition technologies, specifically in Brazil and the implications on data protection laws. Um, I found your thesis really fascinating. And um, before we we get into the nitty gritty, I wanted to uh, know what sparked your interest in the issue initially. Yes, sure. Thank you, Carolina, for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to to this interview for the bulletin and regarding your question it's really funny because uh, when I was working at my at the government of my hometown I started to deal with issues uh, regarding uh, 
technology and digital policies. And then when I started the master here in, in Germany, I thought that I could write something about these issues, like demo democracy and digital policies. And then I was looking for a topic for my thesis. And this, um, this topic about facial recognition was a training one in Brazil, because um, as many people may know, Brazil is really famous for Carnival. And the first time that facial recognition was used successfully in Brazil was in Carnival, um, that they could really find someone using the technology. So I thought, okay, I'll just um, have the opportunity to write about something that is really trending and in a context related to the, the best part in the world party in the world, or at least the best, the, the one that I love, <laughs> which is Carnival, so it was a good excuse to start with. <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought your thesis all started with Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a Brazilian stereotype, I would say. <laughs> so, so I think for many of us, facial recognition technologies uh, conjure images of a big, big brother-like surveillance state. Um, but what is the reality? How are law enforcement agencies currently using facial recognition technologies? And, and what are the risks of deploying such technologies? Um, I think to understand this question, I don't know how many of our listeners are used to this technology, this facial recognition technology. So first, let me briefly explain how it works. It's just like you take first a picture of your face. And then the system just gets some points of your face and made from them uh, make from them a template. So every time you have a photo or a picture of the same person, the system will compare them and try to realize if they are the same, the same people. And um, Regarding the use of, of facial recognition and in law enforcement, it's really interesting because we are not um, in this big brother reality yet, <laughs> and I hope we will never get there. But there, there are many uses of, of the technology in law enforcement. So the most um, famous one, I would say, is in real time using cameras in CCTV and so closed circuit television. And, but some of them use also body-worn cameras with the technology embedded on them and also smartphone cameras and apps to, to make this, um, this recognition in real time. But some of them also use the footage that they, they record to make in the future. I mean, uh, they, they record something now and in the future, they just use the technology in this, on this footage to try to recognize some people. They can also use um, pictures or videos uh, gathered from social media. Uh, there are already um, researches that show that they use also composite sketches um, and also altered pictures. It means sometimes the picture is not good enough for the, the system to read them, so they make they alter some stuff to make it readable, so to say. And it's interesting because um, the first thing that people may think about it is just like they would use only police watch lists. It means 
only people they are looking for. But um, since the policy or law enforcement agencies are not using this in a really accountable accountable way, it's a bit hard to find out uh, which databases they use. But it's already clear that many of them don't use only police watch lists. They also uses like a they also use driver licenses, databases, social media, as I have already said, and other non-criminal databases. It means, from your question, you said um, that about the risks. And the most clear and the first one that people think about false positive. It means when a person is misidentified. It means um, um, the system says that this person is a, but in fact, the person is B. Uh, in this thing, when you, you put in the context of law enforcement, can have a lot of costs and a lot of risks for the person who, who was misidentified. For example, this person could be approached violently or not in the better way. Sometimes this evidence can be used in a trial. Um, and also uh, this picture if of the identification, if uh, they, it can be stored and can be used in the future for um, other invest investigations as well. So the first thing is this um, false positive risk. And it happens quite a lot because um, facial recognition technologies, they are not really, or not yet really accurate. Sometimes as many researchers showed, they have a lot of bias, especially related to race and gender. So the numbers, the numbers of people um, rightly recognized in white men are way more higher than to to black women for example mm -hmm. um, another risk is related to the biometric nature of the data which is collected because i mean um your face is, is hard to change it's not every day that you make a, uh, an operation on your nose or that you make something to really change your, your face. So it means if the technology is, is really advanced, every time that you put a picture or, you, or you're in front of a camera with uh, facial recognition, it will recognize you. And in a context uh, of law enforcement, it can on one hand be really helpful to find people who they are, whom they are looking for, but on the other, it can um, it it just put the 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 burden to society because I mean um, if you know that you are you have been observed or that you are observed, you're gonna change your behavior. So it's good because criminal behaviors can be avoided. But it's bad because legal activities may be held because held because of this uh, um, this approach of facial recognition. So you have 
laws of privacy in public spaces, for example, you have what is called a Stephen effect, which is um, not wanting to exercise um, civil liberties and, and, and rights like assemblage and expression. Um, and then you have also movement that try to puzzle the, the, the facial recognition. So you have some, some, some researchers who created like uh, algorithms to modify the pictures. So if you, if you take a picture and you pass through these algorithms, they would um, modify the picture so the facial recognition can, uh, technology cannot read it anymore. Um, so it's helpful when you're posting something on social media, for, exam for example. And some people, uh, especially when they are going to demonstrations or protests, they just paint their faces so can, they can avoid uh, um, being recognized, for example. But can you imagine people just going with painted faces all the time on the streets? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it sounds a bit ridiculous and it's not socially uh, accepted. So it's the point of having the burden in, on society, not really on law enforcement. And the one one point which make it even worse is what called data aggregation, and it means like you have um, you have the data of the face of someone, then you just connect this data of the face. This face data to, to the name of the person and then to the address, and then you just connect to another database, which is drive, license, then you know that this person can drive, then you connect to social media, then if you get connecting, 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 and linking, uh, at some point you will know, for example, Caroline, that you have been in a party last week, just uh, running your face on a, on a facial recognition system. So this data aggregation related to this linking, this endless linking is called function creep. And it has a, a, a huge impact on privacy and data protection. And finally, <laughs> there is also risk um, of cyber attacks and security. So maybe if you have um, all these databases connected, and you have a bridge, what can happen? Some, so some criminals can have the data of the whole population, including uh, um, the face that you cannot change so easily and all the data to, to, to make, um, I don't know, maybe something really unexpected or really, really bad. And inside the security risks, we also have what um, Lynch, from the electronic electronic frontier calls as um, insider threat. So it means that sometimes uh, the, the, the agents, the staff of uh, law enforcement can use this information to find something not related to law enforcement. So I don't know, maybe you have, uh, uh, you are uh, a police woman, Caroline, and then you just, okay, I suspect that my boyfriend is just getting out with another person. So let's check here uh, if I can find some information or if I can use the cameras on, on the streets to find out where he's going. Um, so there are a lot of risks 
in this use of facial recognition in law enforcement that we have to take into account when you read the policy. Yeah, wow. That's that's <laughs> a lot of risks and there's a lot of a, a lot to unpack just within within everything you mentioned. I found it fascinating to to learn that there are new technologies altering the pixels so that your image can't be can't be taken online and, and used for these um, law enforcement purposes, which I found really interesting. Um, I wanted to go back to one of the risks you mentioned about our own human biases infiltrating into these new AI technologies, um, which is complicated by something you call technical neutrality, or I mean, it's a it's a common term that you mentioned in your thesis. Could you explain what technical neutrality is and how it fits into the discussion on, on facial recognition? Yes, sure. Uh, technical neutrality in this context is the idea that since technology is built on mathematical grounds and those mathematical grounds would follow explainable steps, this technology would not have bias or their output, outputs would be really understandable and predictable and everyone would know what happens when you scan a face on this facial recognition system, for example. But we have to take into account that um, technology are human and social constructions. It means that bias can come in a lot of ways from different levels. It can come from, for example, from, from the mathematical code that they use. It can come through the databases that they use to train the algorithms, for example. Um, it can come um, um, it can come at the end when you have um, the decision. I mean, because you have to, when law enforcement agencies use um, facial recognition technology, they just run a picture and they receive five or six pictures of similar persons. So they have to decide which one is more similar to the one on the picture or on the footage and connect it with other proofs proof that they have. So bias can come from from a lot uh, from many different levels. And this idea that only because uh, technology is built on mathematical grounds. Um, and therefore is neutral, uh, it can lead um, humans to, to mistakes and to faults. So that's the point. Yeah, and I know, I know, at least in the US, um, this discussion on technical neutrality has, and human biases has led a lot of states, at least in, Cal for example, California, to ban um, the use of facial recognition technologies in law enforcement agencies. Um, and you yourself actually recommend uh, Brazil to implement a moratorium on these technologies before um, da proper data protection regulations can be put into place. Um, and then also the European Commission recently considered a ban for up to five years on the use of facial recognition technologies in the EU, 
but in the end, it never came to fruition, this ban. So I'm wondering, what are the challenges of passing such bans? Maybe your experience that you've seen in Brazil or, or things that you're following um, in, in Europe? Mm-hmm. Um, from my research, what I found is just like this debate on, on public security always follows um, a similar way, I would say. It's always about having the, the, all resources to, to, to provide security to people. So it doesn't matter if, if the tool I'm using to, to provide or to increase this, the sensation of security, it doesn't matter if it just hurt other rights or other liberties. What matters is just like that I'm, um, I'm trying to fight the criminality. It's, it's the, 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 the main statement that the authorities in Brazil make, for example. So um, the, the, it's hard to, to find for a ban or for a moratorium when you have, um, when you always have the the positive results um, published. So, for example, when I said about the carnival, um, for for the listeners who who don't have an idea, in Brazil, carnival is really big. So you can imagine that every day it's a seven day party. And you have every day um, thousands and thousands of people just passing on the streets and just celebrating carnival. Um, can you imagine that you just scan, I don't know, 10,000 faces to catch one person that was in a police watch list? I mean, 10,000 faces every day for seven days. 7,000 persons whose faces were scanned and you only could find one person. But what they say is just like, they don't publish that they have scanned 70,000 faces. They just say that they could find this one person and therefore the technology is good for law enforcement. So um, this is one point. They say that the technology the technology really works. And the second point uh, is that they start to deploy the technology without notice. Um, it's, it's, uh, um, it's something that happens really often in Brazil. Um, suddenly they just say that the, the police department of the state A is using uh, facial recognition. And when people start to, to, to look for information and try to find how it's working, they don't provide any information uh, or any really transparent information. And they are just using this without any, any, um, and any previous debate with the society. So it's also related to, to what, what is called normalizing technology in the sense like they are already using. 
sometimes I find people, sometimes this, this technology is useful for law enforcement purposes. So why would we fight against it? Um, some civil society uh, um, organizations, they, they have some outcries. Sometimes they out, these outcries work, sometimes they don't work. Uh, as I said, California is, is a really interesting example. And you mentioned that um, the European Union said that this, maybe the approach to, to facial recognition was to ban. It was at the beginning mm -hmm. of 2020. Uh, but then it, it doesn't it doesn't go further. It didn't go further actually. But one week ago, the European Commission just published a draft regulation on artificial intelligence. And interestingly, they just came not with a ban, but they tried to they proposed to restrict really really um, hard the use of facial recognition, not only in law enforcement, but in other uh, um, contexts as well. So I think that um, the barriers to, to get a ban or to get a more return is more related to this normalizing and this debate of, yeah, it's working, so why would we, we change it? But at, at the same time, Civil society organizations are trying to, to get this ban or to get these regulations. And in this balance, it's sometimes the panel goes to one side, sometimes to the other side. Yeah, and these and these discussions are still ongoing and, and developing day by day as countries navigate the new challenges of protecting um, their citizens' data. So it'll be interesting to see how how uh, the use of facial recognition technologies uh, develops in the next few years, and I'm sure you'll be you'll be keeping up with that. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for for coming and speaking with me today. This was this was really interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, the Bulletin Podcast. It was my pleasure to be here. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Wow, that's really interesting. A lot of information to reflect on it. Definitely. Do you know if law enforcement uses facial recognition in Chile? Uh, not at the moment. It is a discussion that is just started in Chile. She is very late in the subject. We do not have a law for data protection, for example. Yeah, from our discussion earlier this year, that seems to be the case for, for many countries. Um, what strikes me most is that the same uncertainties exist when it comes to regulating other kinds of new technologies like social media or self-driving cars. Yeah, that's true. Nowadays, more regulations should be imposed regarding the social media and the new tech. But for sure that will change rapidly in the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah, that's the hope. Okay, so that's it for us today. We don't have any announcements for this month, so we just hope everyone has a successful start to classes, and we send our thoughts to all the second year students who have started their master's theses. You have to say thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs>